So welcome to tonight's meeting. And uh, I want to give thanks to Phil Davis for inviting me to uh, share his mic tonight and uh, his time. He normally gives us a lot of great insight. And uh, so there see his big shoes to fill. So Hopefully the spirit comes and fills those shoes. And uh, I just want to give some pretext as to why this, why this, uh, this meeting, why this topic. Um, the genesis is that uh, the topic is how to recognize true messengers, recognizing the servants before the servant specifically those who come on the scene before Joseph Smith as the Davidic servant, uh, before he comes on the scene and, uh, and leads out the Exodus. So the genesis of this presentation is uh, that the principle of an Elias to the Elias has been believed, discussed, shared in personal conversations by former prominent members of the Doctrine of Christ community and uh, uh, until recently, and even by myself. Um, I'm personally not, okay. I'm personally not uh, opposed to this topic, um, but uh, I do want to make it clear that uh, Phil Davis has never, quote unquote, taken this honor or title to himself as has been recently accused um you know some of the former prominent members of the group have uh i guess kind of took that term and, and ran with it and you know including myself i was i was one of them and we would have discussions and we agreed to that and uh so as as a few dissenting voices surfaced uh, mentioning the lack of scriptural basis for an elias to the elias I pondered the topic further myself, and the points in this presentation are what have come to me by impression and revelation through pondering that topic over the past several weeks. So first, we need to lay some groundwork. We need to start in DNC 84 so that we can understand how this uh, you know, how this even starts, where, where the basis for this is even. And it starts with a new dispensation coming to pass. So in DNC 84, starting in verse 19, in this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the, of the kingdom even the key of the knowledge of God. And this greater priesthood being spoken of is the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. 
Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the ordinances of the gospel, the gospel being the same as the doctrine of Christ, the ordinances thereof, therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. So just to unpack that a little bit for anybody who is new coming in, this scripture said in other words is the fullness of the gospel or the ordinances of the doctrine of Christ being baptism of water and baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost are administered by the Melchizedek priesthood, the first order because there are two orders. So the first order administers the gospel. And without the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, the key of the gift of the Holy Ghost is not given unto men in the flesh. In other words, without this key, as mentioned in uh, verse 22, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. And so... The ordinances thereof have to be present for somebody to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The power to administer those ordinances has to be precursor to that. And so, if we understand what specifically has to happen for the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost to be administered, we go to Doctrine and Covenants 76, verse 52, that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed to this, uh, unto this power. And so before the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost can begin again to be administered to the children of men, a restoration of the fullness of the priesthood, or in this case, the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, it has to be ordained and sealed upon the dispensation head, which there are several dispensation heads throughout history, and but it's the same formula every time. The first one who is chosen is ordained and sealed, and that unlocks the opportunity for the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost to be administered. So, we have to also understand that dispensations opening are, in history, they're geographical. It's not, it happens on one side of the world, therefore the whole world is now open. Um, Evidence of this is the apostles of Jesus Christ receiving the authority to administer the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. But it's not until almost a year later that Nephi and the other disciples in, um, in Bountiful in uh, the Americas receive it. They receive the ordination and sealing, and it unlocks the ability to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost themselves the day following their ordination and sealing. So this groundwork needs to be laid out first so that we understand 
right now, people are receiving the baptism of fire into the Holy Ghost. And we need to understand that people have not been receiving the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost for the past 170, 175 years since the death of Joseph Smith. When the heavens were closed and that opportunity was taken and we were rejected as a church with our dead, said the Lord God, uh, as found in DNC 124. So because people are experiencing the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, you know, recently, as, uh, as is described in different scriptures, including, um, you know, Acts, Acts 2, where the apostles receive it, fire comes down. It uh, mentions cloven tongues of fire. In Helaman 5, it mentions fire coming down, surrounding those who are receiving it and angels ministering to them. It also mentions this in 35.19. So these are signs, evidences of what this ordinance looks like. And just as we would say that water baptism has to be done in a certain and proper way, and it can't just be done any which way and be accepted of the Lord, so it is with the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost. So... Let's go to DNC 45, and this will give us explanation as to where we are in relation to the heavens, these things being available again. <clears throat> and this will give us context as to the rest of the factors in this presentation. So, starting in 22. Ye say that ye know that the end of the world cometh. Ye say also that ye know that the heavens and the earth shall pass away. And in this... And in this ye say truly, for so it is. But these things which I have told you shall not pass away until all shall be fulfilled. So Christ is revealing to Joseph what he's talking to, to, his, um, to his apostles. And he's giving it end time context and it relates to our day. And this have I told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. Speaking of the rest of the house of Israel, but they shall be gathered again, but they shall remain, or in other words, they won't be gathered until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So before we go on to 26, we need to understand that... Uh, in 1 Nephi 13, it says, The time cometh that he shall manifest himself unto all nations, both unto the Jews and unto the Gentiles. And after 
he has manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. And the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So what we understand from this scripture is that the gospel of Jesus Christ was first offered to the Jews. They had to receive it first before it went to the Gentiles. And it only went to the Gentiles after the Jews had received the opportunity and rejected it. And so as we see in the wording that it goes to the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, that's the first time. And after he has manifested himself unto the Jews and unto the Gentiles, he shall manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. So this is a different iteration where it goes to the Gentiles first. This is seen in the restoration through Joseph Smith. So it began first with Joseph Smith, the establishment of Zion, the restoration of the priesthood, the ability to, uh, and also the doctrine and teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a faith, repentance, baptism of water, baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, enduring to the end, offering a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might enter into son and daughtership under Jesus Christ by receiving the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost. And later, as we endure to the end, then we enter into the, the presence of the Lord in the fullness of his glory. So this is the context of, of this in DNC 45. <clears throat> but they shall be, uh, again in 25, but they shall be gathered again, but they shall remain until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, fulfilled being the ending of the times of the Gentiles. And in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars, again, end time context, and the whole earth shall be in commotion and men's hearts shall fail them. And they shall say that Christ delayeth his coming until the end of the earth. And the love of men shall wax cold and iniquity shall abound. And when the times of the Gentiles is come in or begins, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness. And it shall be the fullness of my gospel. So this isn't talking about Joseph Smith's first ministry. And yes, by me saying that, I do imply that there is a second ministry. <clears throat> so the light breaking forth among them that sit in darkness in the context of the timing that Christ has just set forth, it comes in our day. So light breaking forth is in our day and the light breaking forth is the new restoration that is taking place following the apostasy of the last restoration. And we are still in the same process of, of receiving what is restored, both the knowledge of the doctrine of Christ, what the gospel is, what it means, the different aspects of it, as well as the restoration of the priesthood to administer that gospel. 
the Lord does not restore the knowledge of the gospel without restoring also the necessary priesthood authority to administer that gospel. Um, So a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness and it shall be the fullness of my gospel, but they receive it not for they perceive not the light and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. So Christ is prophesying just as what happened with the Jews in large measure that they would reject the gospel, save a few only that this is the prefiguring of it going first to the Gentiles and then to the Jews after the sifting of the wheat and tares among the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are the members of the restoration branches from Joseph Smith, the largest of which is the Utah-based Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, in large measure, we as a people, as a whole, will not receive the light and we turn our hearts from Christ because of the precepts of men. So, because of the things that we've been taught by our tradition in the church, um, and again, this applies to all the restoration branches, uh, not just the, the main body LDS church in Utah we turn our hearts away from the Lord because of the precepts of men, thinking that we're wise, thinking that we're learned, but we will not humble ourselves before God and consider ourselves fools in order to receive the light that has broken forth. And so that is the basis that the... The restoration needed to come forth de facto because people are receiving the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost. We know that because people are receiving it, that it has been restored. This is the light that is breaking forth. And so this is the time of the Gentiles. This is that interim period between its beginning and end where we have the opportunity to receive the light. We have the opportunity to receive the fullness of the gospel, to have administered upon us those ordinances that make it possible for us to enter into the presence of Jesus Christ and thereafter father and mother. And so that being laid, let's get to this point of whether there are servants who come on the scene before Joseph Smith, you know, whether there is um, even that there is a period between when he opens the heavens and when he comes on the scene, what happens during that period and, and who those servants are if they exist. So first, let's start with the strange and unprecedented work of the Lord. So the Lord in Isaiah 28 
Also, DNC 95 and DNC 101, he talks about doing a strange act. So first, let's go to the Gileadi translation at isaiahexplained.com. This is chapter 28. First, I will read verse 21. For Jehovah will rise up as he did on Mount Perizim and be stirred to anger as in the valley of Gibeon to perform his act, his unwanted act, to do his work, his bizarre work. So I'm going to share my screen with you quickly. And this is the definition we have for unwanted. So if you've listened to Gileadi's commentary, analytical commentary on the translation, you will hear him say about this verse, he will say, it's unwanted. The Lord didn't want to do it. But the translation does not use an A in that word. It's not U-N. W-A-N-T-E-D, it's W-O-N-T-E-D, which gives it a completely different meaning. As you see here, similar, um, unusual, uncommon, unaccustomed, unfamiliar, unprecedented, atypical, abnormal, strange, peculiar, curious, irregular. So this is giving us the key to understand that these scriptures are talking about something specific. So to give some, some extra background in 28. So starting in 16 in Isaiah 28, therefore thus says my Lord Jehovah, I lay in Zion a stone and this stone is a type, it's a pseudonym of Jehovah's end time servant, the Davidic servant, or Joseph Smith. I lay in Zion a stone, a keystone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. They who believe it will not do rashly. I will make justice the measure, righteousness, also a term for the Davidic servant, righteousness the weight. A hail shall sweep away your false refuge and waters flood the hiding place. So hail is storm imagery representing the end time king of Assyria, king of Babylon, and his power of chaos. Your covenant with death or the king of Assyria shall prove void. Your understanding with Sheol or hell have no effect. When the flooding scourge or king of Assyria sweeps through, you shall be overrun by it. As often as it sweeps through, you shall be seized by it. Morning after morning, it shall sweep through. By day and by night, it shall seize you. It shall cause terror merely to hear the word of it. Then shall come to pass the proverb, the couch is too short to stretch out on. The covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For Jehovah will rise up as he did on Mount Perizim 
and be stirred to anger as in the valley of Gibeon to perform his act, his unwanted act, to do his work, his bizarre work. Continuing, therefore scoff not, lest your bonds grow severe. For I have heard utter destruction decreed by my Lord Jehovah of hosts upon the whole earth. So we could say, okay, well, and this is the assertion by Avram Gileadi, that this great worldwide destruction, especially the destruction of the Lord's people, is, uh, is unprecedented, which it's not. Uh, the Lord has done destruction on his people many times in former abomination of desolation. And, you know, the flood itself uh, makes, makes it so that this meaning is not what is being talked about in the unwanted act and the bizarre work. Moving forward to the next one, DNC 95. In verse four, for the preparation wherewith I design to prepare mine apostles to prune my vineyard for the last time. Again, end time context. That I may bring to pass my strange act, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So let's go through, especially for the context of this presentation tonight, and talk about timing. The preparation wherewith I design to prepare mine apostles. It's preparatory work to prune my vineyard for the last time. Secondary work after that preparation that I may bring to pass my strange act. The third act of these three tenses that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Intimating he does not pour out his spirit upon all flesh prior to this in the same category as what will happen with the establishment of Zion, the new Jerusalem, and the coming millennium. So we have to understand these tenses in order to understand what is being said. So the preparation of the Lord prefigures those um, those apostles pruning the vineyard for the last time before the strange act. Okay, so let's also go to DNC 101 where it mentions the strange act. In verse 95, that I may proceed to bring to pass my act, my strange act, and perform my work, my strange work, that man men may discern between the righteous and the wicked, saith your God. And so, as we just went through some extra verses in Isaiah 28, to give context to verse 21, let's give context to 95. Verse 4. Starting in verse one, verily thus saith the Lord unto you whom I love and whom I love, I also chasten 
that their sins may be forgiven. For with the chastisement, I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things out of temptation, and I have loved you. Wherefore, you, not, you must needs be chastened and stand rebuked before my face. For ye have sinned against me a very grievous sin, in that ye have not considered the great commandment in all things that I have given unto you concerning the building of mine house. So right now there is an allusion to the condemnation that we find in DNC 84 in verses 50 through, 54 through 59. And this is given in June 1st, uh, 1833, on June 1st, 1833, which is uh, less than a year after the aforementioned Revelation in 84. For the preparation wherewith I designed to prepare mine apostles to prune my vineyard for the last time, that I may bring to pass my strange act, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But behold, verse 5, verily I say unto you, there are many who have been ordained among you, whom I have called, but few of them are chosen. They who are not chosen have sinned a very grievous sin in that they are walking in darkness at noonday. And for this cause, I gave unto you a commandment that you should call your solemn assembly, that your fastings and your mornings might come up into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth which is by interpretation, the creator of the first day, the beginning and the end. Verily, I say unto you, I gave unto you a commandment that you should build a house in the which I designed to endow those whom I have chosen with power from on high. And we have a key here in verse nine, for this is the promise of the father unto you. Therefore, I command you to tarry even as mine apostles in Jerusalem. So the parallel between them and the apostles at Jerusalem and the preparation that the Lord sought to give was the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, which they needed prior to their going out and doing the work, pruning the vineyard for the last time. Verse 10, nevertheless, my servants sinned a very grievous sin and contentions arose in the school of the prophets which was very grievous unto me, saith your Lord. Therefore I sent them forth to be chastened. Verily I say unto you, it is my will that you should build a house. If you keep my commandments, you shall have power to build it. So it's not simply about the temple. It's about that's what the commandment was. And they were not keeping the commandment. And if we're not keeping the commandments, we do not qualify as offering a broken heart and contrite spirit in order to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, which requirement is listed in 3 Nephi 9, verse 20. Verse 12. Now, if you, if you keep not my commandments, the love of the Father shall not continue with you. Therefore, you shall walk in darkness. So the context there of the is still the strange work is apart from, uh, or the strange act is apart from them receiving or not receiving the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost. Because others have not received the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost when they did not follow the commandments. I mean, the children of Israel being uh, a great type of that. In DNC 101, 
starting in verse 92. Pray ye therefore that their ears may be opened unto your cries, that I may be merciful unto them, that these things may not come upon them. What I have said unto you must needs be that all men may be left without excuse, that wise men and rulers may hear and know that which they have never considered, that I may proceed to bring to pass my act, my strange act, and perform my work, my strange work, that men may discern between the righteous and the wicked, saith your God. And again, I say unto you, It is contrary to my commandment and my will that my servant Sidney Gilbert should sell my storehouse, which I have appointed unto my people into the hands of mine enemies. Let not that which I have appointed be polluted by mine enemies, by the consent of those who call themselves after my name. For this is a very sore and grievous sin against me and against my people in consequence of those things which I have decreed and which are soon to befall the nations. Therefore, it is my will that my people should claim and hold claim upon that which I have appointed unto them, though they should not be permitted to dwell thereon. Nevertheless, I do not say they shall not dwell thereon, for inasmuch as they bring forth fruit and works meet for my kingdom, they shall dwell thereon. Again, making allusion to the condition given in connection to the condemnation of the early saints in September 1832 found in DNC 84. They shall build and another shall not inherit it. They shall plant vineyards and they shall eat the fruit thereof. Even so, amen. So the first of these... Isaiah 28 is talking about a great destruction. DNC 95 is talking about preparation to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost of those who are appointed, those who are chosen, well, those who are called and intended to be chosen. And DNC 101 is talking about the redemption of Zion. So the the strange work, the strange act is the great and marvelous work and a wonder which the Lord is going to do in the, the worldwide gathering out of his people combined with worldwide destruction. And there must be those who gather them out who are prepared, at least with the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, to be able to do the work. So, just going back uh, as overview, the Gileadi transla translation uses the term unwanted, which means unprecedented. This has been used to counter the argument by Gileadi that there is no scriptural precedent for a servant having two ministries coming back in a second to finish what he started in the first. As that premise supports the notion of the return of Joseph, the Lord is also able to do something unprecedented in having preliminary servants to prepare the way for his Davidic servant.
So that's our first indication that it is possible to have a servant or servants on the scene prior to the coming of the Davidic servant. And why is this necessary? The next point is that the Davidic servant is hidden. In conjunction to the strange, unprecedented work, while Joseph is on the earth and preparing the work, he is hidden by the Lord, as mentioned in Isaiah 42.2. Again, going back to the Gileadi translation. Hear me, O isles, starting in verse 1. Hear me, O isles, listen, you distant peoples. Jehovah called me before I was in the belly. Before I was in my mother's womb, he mentioned me by name. There is a lot of allusion there to his name being known before he is born again. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He has made me into a polished arrow. In his quiver, he kept me secret. So, let me just read the chapter heading that uh, the Isaiah Institute gives. It says, uh, the heading to Isaiah 49, Jehovah empowers his servant after he is rejected to restore his people and to implement their new exodus. So when was he rejected? In his first ministry. When does he restore his people and implement the new exodus? He didn't do it in the first ministry. He does it in the second ministry. And so because we have two factors now. We have a hidden Davidic servant, and we have context for there being a precursor servant or servants to prepare the way before his coming. Now, the need for this is a spiritual gathering before the physical gathering. Um, you know, while he would otherwise be connecting with those who would be gathered spiritually before he gathers them out of bondage physically, uh, as is mentioned all throughout Isaiah, the provision is given for others under his jurisdiction to facilitate the spiritual gathering in person, even if he, the Davidic servant, is not on the scene. So, Joseph doesn't come on the scene until the strength of the Lord's house is, res is ready to be gathered physically for the exodus. Um, I mean, does it make any sense that he would come given the, the timelines that are given in the scriptures that he would come at the time of the restoration of Zion or the beginning of the exodus, if there is nobody prepared spiritually to go on the exodus. Um, I mean, we need to go through a sifting and trying process in order to become and qualify as the strength of the Lord's house. Um, let's go to Moroni 7. And it gives us some context to consider 
because here's, here's what the argument is. If, um, if there has to be a spiritual gathering before Joseph comes on the scene, then the spirit can do it. And the spirit and angels just gather everybody. Well, uh, we're going to go through that and demonstrate that that does not bear out in the scriptures. Um, in Moroni 7, starting in verse 29 through 32. And because he hath done this, my beloved brethren, have miracles ceased. Behold, I say unto you, nay, neither have angels ceased to minister unto the children of men. For behold, they are subject unto him to minister according to the word of his command, showing themselves unto them of strong faith and a firm mind in every form of godliness. And the office of their ministry is to call men unto repentance and to fulfill and to do the work of the covenants of the Father, which he hath made unto the children of men, to prepare the way among the children of men by declaring the word of Christ unto the chosen vessels of the Lord, that they, that they, the chosen vessels of the Lord, may bear testimony of him. And by so doing, the Lord God prepareth the way that the residue of men may have faith in Christ that the Holy Ghost may have place in their hearts according to the power thereof. And after this manner bringeth to pass the Father the covenants which he hath made unto the children of men. In other words, we are all at different ascension levels. We have all, uh, there are those who have received more and those who have received less. And as God is not a respecter of persons, he gives that which we qualify for. So if we do not qualify for uh, angels and others do, others will be sent angels. And we will be sent those who received the angels to be able to have our faith tested in their word that we might be tested to see if we will hearken to the voice of the spirit that is bearing witness of the voice and message of true messengers. And those who are the chosen vessels of the Lord have already received this testing and they have proven faithful on showing themselves unto those them of strong faith and firm mind. So there are different strata of, uh, of spiritual ascension and spiritual maturity among all of us. And that is, as it says, and after this manner bringeth to pass the father, the covenants, which he hath made unto the children of men. He prepares those who are his chosen vessels he wakes them up. They are sent to minister to those who are at a lower strata. And that is the way that it works. 
And so I would invite everybody listening to consider if we have not received angels, let us consider that we're not on the same strata of those who have. And let us not in our arrogance say, I don't want to hear the words of a mortal. I want to hear the words of an angel. Or I want to be taught directly by God himself without any intervention of a mortal. If we find ourselves in that situation in mindset, we are in pride, we are in arrogance, and we are described in the Book of Mormon um, by that pride, and we need to repent. So, the Lord sends angels to minister to the chosen vessels of the Lord, who thereafter minister to the residue of men. This would lend to the premise that there needs to be a spiritual gathering before there is a physical gathering by Joseph. So let's go through uh, DNC 101, DNC 103, and DNC 88 in select verses to provide the basis for other servants being gathered to gather the strength of the Lord's house in preparation for the return of the Davidic servant, even Joseph Smith. So let's start in 101, verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants, and take all the strength of mine house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle age, also among all my servants, who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. So it talks about the residue of the servants. So who are these servants? And how is there a residue that is produced to be gathered. So let's go to 103. Starting in verse 1, going through 21. Verily I say unto you, my friends, behold, I, I will give unto you a revelation and commandment that you may know how to act in the discharge of your duties concerning the salvation and redemption of your brethren who have been scattered on the land of Zion. So again, let's look at the tenses given and timing given just in this verse alone. I give unto you, my friends, a revelation and commandment that you may know how to act. In the discharge of your duties concerning the salvation and redemption of your brethren. So the instruction comes before the action, which comes before the redemption of those who have been scattered on the land of Zion. And as this is end time context, as we will see in verses, especially verses 15 through 21, consider that this that we have in our hands 
is what was prepared to teach those who would return as servants to be tested in order that they might qualify to be gathered out as the residue of the servants. Continuing in verse two, being driven and smitten by the hands of mine enemies. Let me go back a little bit in verse, uh, verse one. And the redemption of your brethren who have been scattered on the land of Zion, being driven and smitten by the hands of mine enemies on whom I will pour out my wrath without measure in mine own time. For I have suffered them thus far that they might fill up the measure of their iniquities, that their cup might be full. And that those who call themselves after my name might be chastened for a little season with a sore and grievous chastisement because they did not hearken altogether unto the precepts and commandments, which I gave unto them. So this being end time context, we as a people were under condemnation, progressed to covenant curse and progressed to rejection as a church with our dead, all within Joseph's first ministry. And this is a summation of that and a confirmation that we were driven and scattered on the land of Zion, that Zion was never redeemed before Joseph's death. And that there's a lot of... (laughs) obvious evidence for that, uh, both in scripture and, and in history. Verse five, but verily I say unto you that I have decreed a decree, which my people shall realize inasmuch as they hearken from this very hour, again, end time context, because it didn't happen previously when this revelation was revealed was given unto the counsel, which I, the Lord, their God shall give unto them for six behold, they shall, for I have decreed it begin to prevail against mine enemies from this very hour. And by hearkening to observe all the conditional by hearkening to observe all the words, which I, the Lord, their God shall speak unto them. They shall never cease to prevail until the kingdoms of the world are subdued under my feet and time context. And the earth is given unto the saints to possess it forever and ever again, end time context. But inasmuch as they keep not my commandments and hearken not to observe all my words, the kingdoms of the world shall prevail against them for they were set to be a light. They who they who were to be the servants. They were set to be a light unto the world and to be the saviors of men. And inasmuch as they are not the saviors of men, they are as salt that has lost its savor. And this, and is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. But verily I say unto you, I have decreed that your brethren, which have been scattered, shall return to the lands of their inheritances and shall build up the waste places of Zion. For after much tribulation, 
as I have said unto you in a former commandment cometh the blessing. Behold, this is the blessing which I have promised after your tribulations and the tribulations of your brethren. Your redemption and the redemption of your brethren, even their restoration to the land of Zion, to be established, no more to be thrown down. So all of this is giving a prefigured timeline of what happens before Joseph Smith comes on the scene. There is given counsel, which the Lord gives unto his friends. And just as a, a side note, who are the Lord's friends? This is the instruction manual to the Lord's quote unquote friends, same as the first labors in the last kingdom. Let's go to DNC 84. In verse 63, even as I said unto mine apostles, even so I said, I say unto you, for you are mine apostles, even God's high priests. Ye are they whom my father hath given me. Ye are my friends. So consider the context of coming in ascension, starting at um, you know, a servant and then a son and then a friend. And as we ascend, we, um, we meet these, these qualifications for these titles and verse 77. And again, I say unto you, my friends for from henceforth, I shall call you friends. It is expedient that I give unto you this commandment that ye become even as my friends in days when I was with them traveling to preach the gospel in my power. So again, end time context of the sending forth of the prepared servants who we're going to come back to this, this uh, chapter, but just to give, context as to who these friends are and who is being spoken to in DNC 103. So, and we will uh, hearken back to, as we read in five through 14, those tribulations and that sifting, which took place, which is taking place which was prophesied to take place among those servants who would return and which sifting and tribulation would sift the wheat from the tares among those who qualified to return as candidates, as the first laborers in the last kingdom to test them again, because all of, all of the candidates in, in different degrees failed in Joseph's first ministry. Um, some become bitter and mur murderous uh, apostates. Um, 
it's my opinion that they didn't uh, they didn't even qualify to return uh, to to be in um, time laborers, but there were those who nevertheless apostatized, but did not not to that level. Um, but they they come back and they are yet candidates coming into a new mortality. It uh, it is required of us to exercise faith to awake and arise to be tested and sifted. There are no guarantees, and so as those who come back as would-be servants are tested and tried, there is a separation, which results in a residue that we read in 101.55. That residue would be gathered to Joseph in his, uh, in person. Okay. So continuing, um, I'll read again verse 13 and 103. Behold, this is the blessing which I have promised after your tribulations and the tribulations of your brethren, your redemption and the redemption of your brethren, even their restoration to the land of Zion to be established, no more to be thrown down. Nevertheless, if they pollute their inheritances, they shall be thrown down. For I will not spare them if they pollute their inheritances. So again, the condition. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. And this is where Joseph, the Davidic servant, comes back on the scene. So hopefully, I have been able to demonstrate for you all that happens before Joseph comes back on the scene. Therefore, verse 16, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel on an exodus, even the exodus. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let not your hearts faint. For I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. Mine angel being an allusion to Moses in the first Exodus, and them not having the opportunity to enter the Lord's presence, as we find in um, the Old Testament and clarified in DNC 84. Mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angels, plural. So even as there was the singular servant and leader out on the Exodus through Moses, there is Joseph and there are the other servants. Shall go up before you and also my presence. And in time, ye shall possess the goodly land. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I likened the servant, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you in DNC 101. Okay. Just for some extra context pertaining to the Lord's friends, those who he refers to as, as his friends, back in 84, 
75 and 76. And this revelation unto you and commandment is in force from this very hour upon all the world. And the gospel is unto all those who have not received it. But verily I say unto all those to whom the kingdom has been given from you, it must be preached unto them. So again, let us not think that we can circumvent the pattern of the Lord in the sending in usage of his servants to gather the residue of men. Let us not puff us ourselves up to pride and say, well, I don't, I don't trust in the arm of flesh. Um, I will not listen to any man. Um, the pattern is found in second Nephi 28, 31 that we read it quickly. It is not that we rely alone on the words of men who are, who claim a vision, who claim um, anything, who claim a position um, by inheritance, as it were, or by succession. But cursed is he that putteth his, uh, putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the combination of mortal servants and the power of their words witnessed by the power of the Holy Ghost is the pattern. Again, verse 76 and 84, but verily I say unto all those to whom the kingdom has been given from you, it must be preached unto them that they shall repent of all repent of their former evil works for they are to be upbraided for their evil hearts of unbelief and your brethren in Zion for their rebellion against you at the time I sent you. Okay. And uh, again, this is second ministry context. Uh, the friends in this context are those who were called Christ's apostles and friends, those who were, who were ordained high priests and attended the first uh, school of the prophets and possibly and likely uh, some others who ascended and were ordained high priests during Joseph's day before his death. And these friends are mentioned in DNC 84, 88, 93, 94, 97, 98, 100, 103, 104, 105, and 109. Okay. So just to reiterate, when we're talking in 103, which we've just gone through, verses 1 through 21, where it talks about from this very hour, we hearken back to DNC 45. 
And this period in between the beginning of the times of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled or ending. So that is the context of, of what is happening here. Um, let's go back to DNC 101 and continue. Let's, let's actually read again. 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, being Joseph Smith, returned as the Davidic servant in his second ministry, go and gather together the residue of my servants, those who have been sifted, uh, called, and chosen, and take all the strength of mine house, those who will hear the words of true messengers, those residue of servants, and those who will accept the message The message given to deliver, to gather out the strength of the Lord's house is the doctrine of Christ and its purity, our awful situation as a people after Joseph Smith, and the redemption of Zion. So the strength of the Lord's house are those who accept these messages without caveat because they receive the truth of it as they submit in humility before the Lord and receive that message by the power of the Holy ghost. Take all the strength of mine house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle age also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry and go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard. And redeem my vineyard, for it is mine. I have bought it with money. Therefore, get ye straightway unto my land. Break down the walls of mine enemies. Throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. And how is this done? It's done through that threefold message of the doctrine of Christ, our awful situation, and the redemption of Zion. Because the enemy has built up a tower with a false gospel and false servants, which is leading people not to Christ, not to offer a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost and enter into the rest of the Lord, but that they might endlessly do what are considered good works that in reality do nothing for salvation. It is busy work inspired by the adversary because all of that, which doth not edify is not of God. And if it does not bring us to God's presence, if it does not bring us to be born again through the baptism of fire of the Holy ghost, it does not edify. And in as much as they uh, verse 58 in 101, inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of mine house and possess the land. And the servant said unto his Lord, when shall these things be? And he said unto his servant, when I will. Go ye straightway and do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
And this shall be my seal and blessing upon you, a faithful and wise steward in the midst of my house, a ruler in my kingdom. This is a blessing upon Joseph. And his servant went straightway and did all things whatsoever the Lord commanded him. And after many, de- many days, all things were fulfilled. So let me provide here my personal witness that not only is Joseph Smith back on the scene and has he opened again the heavens that it's possible to receive the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost and enter into the rest of the Lord, but behind the scenes in his stewardship as gathering the servants, the resident of the servants in the strength of the Lord's house, that he is behind the scenes gathering those who are on the scenes. And there are the Lord's friends, those who were the the first laborers in the last kingdom, those who to a higher degree were faithful to, to Joseph, to, uh, to the Lord in Joseph's first ministry that they have returned and they have been going through this process of sifting of trial of succeeding and failing And this that we have been reading has been playing out, and I have experienced it over the last you know almost five years and uh, you know two and a half years specifically. Um, so I can bear witness, having sought things out from the Lord and received answers and revelation, I can bear witness that these things are happening right now. And Joseph is gathering those servants, even though those servants are the ones on the scene and doing the hands-on work. In verse 63, again, verily I say unto you, I will show unto you wisdom in me concerning all the churches inasmuch as they are willing to be guided in a right and proper way for their salvation, inasmuch as the churches are willing or the people being gathered to qualify as the strength of the Lord's house are willing to be guided in a right and proper way. That the work of the gathering Together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my, uh, unto my name upon holy places. Precursor to the harvest, for the harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. So people are being gathered right now, even different strata, and we ought not to posture for position. We are what we are, we are what we choose, and we are guaranteed nothing 
because we are still left to ourselves to exercise our agency, whether we will hearken to the voice of the spirit, humble ourselves, offer a broken heart and contrite spirit, or if we will go in our own pride and harden our hearts, thinking ourselves wise and learned and rejecting those who the Lord has called to enact this gathering. Sixty-five. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory. When I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles. And we see here that there is a gathering and trial and separation of wheat and tares among the first that create, again, the residue of the servants and the strength of the Lord's house. There's the Lord's house, and then there's the strength of the Lord's house. There are the servants, and then there's the residue of the servants. While the tares shall be bound in bundles, and their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable unquenchable fire. Okay. DNC 88, starting in verse 73. Behold, I will hasten my work in its time. And I give unto you who are the first laborers in this last kingdom a commandment that you assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves and sanctify yourselves. Yea, purify your hearts and cleanse your hands and your feet before me that I may make you clean. You know, offering the, a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost and enter into the rest of the Lord in the fullness of his glory. that I may testify unto your father and your God and my God, that you are clean from the blood of this wicked generation. And I would proffer that this includes, you know, this is part of repenting of our iniquity, that we are clean from the blood of this generation, that we have come out from under condemnation, which we have inherited as members of the restoration branches. And coming unto the Lord and being made clean before him, both by recognizing our iniquity and becoming clean from the blood and sins of this generation. As we will read in coming verses. What uh, meaning what one needs to do in order to become clean from the blood and sins of this generation. Okay. 
in addition to sacrificing false tradition. Again, in 75, that I may testify unto your father and your God and my God, that you are clean from the blood of this wicked generation, that I may fulfill this promise, this great and last promise, which I have made unto you when I will. We have the same wording there as we just read in In DNC 101, in verse 59, in, uh, in verse 60, rather, giving it end time context. And passing to verse 80, that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you. In the mission where uh, the mission with which I have commissioned you. Behold, I sent you out to testify and warn the people, and it become it becometh every man who hath been warned to warn his neighbor. Therefore, they are left without excuse, and their sins are upon their own heads. And this is how one becomes clean from the blood and sins of this wicked generation. It is not sufficient for us to recognize that we have been in error and, uh, and alone begin to believe in the doctrine of Christ and our awful situation in the redemption of Zion. We must also warn our neighbor, and if we do not, we are not clean from their blood and sins. Verse 83, he that seeketh me early shall find me and shall not be forsaken. By extension, he that doesn't or he that seeketh me late or not at all shall not find me and shall be forsaken. Therefore, tarry ye and labor diligently that you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the law and seal up the testimony and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come again. This is timeline talking about what happens before Joseph comes on the scene. And we're going to see that in, uh, in coming verses that their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination, which awaits the wicked both in this world and in the world to come. Verily I say unto you, let those who are not the first elders continue in the vineyard until the mouth of the Lord shall come, shall call them for their time is not yet come. Their garments are not clean from the blood of this generation. So as we've said, um, you know, there are different spiritual strata and also our spiritual strata in this life is affected by our choices in this life. Those of a higher strata can fall. Those of a lower strata can arise. And it is hearkening to the words of Alma um, 
you know, this life is the time to prepare to meet God. Um, we can't prepare after this. We can't rely on former preparation for this. We must start where we were at and continue forward and not fall back. Verse 86, abide ye in the liberty wherewith you're made free. Entangle not yourselves in sin, but let your hands be clean until the Lord comes. For not many days hence, and the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro as a drunken man. And the sun shall hide his face and shall refuse to give light. And the moon shall be bathed in blood and the stars shall become exceedingly angry and shall cast themselves down as a fig that falleth from off a fig tree. Again, end time context. And after your testimony, precursor testimony, cometh wrath and indignation upon the people. For after your testimony cometh the testimony of earthquakes that shall cause groanings in the midst of her, and men shall fall upon the ground and shall not be able to stand. And also cometh the testimony of the voice of thunderings and the voice of lightnings and the voice of tempests and the voice of the waves of the sea, heaving themselves beyond their bounds. And I'm going to make a quick hearkening to Helaman 11 to give context to this. Or Helaman 10, rather. Starting in verse four, blessed art thou Nephi for those things which thou hast done for I be, I have beheld how thou hast with unwariness declared the word, which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them and hast not sought thine own life, but has sought my will and to keep my commandments. And now, because thou hast done this with such unweariness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, yet even that all things shall be done according uh, unto thee, according to thy word. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels that ye shall have power over this people and shall smite the earth with famine and with pestilence and destruction according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus shall ye have power among this people. And thus, if ye shall say unto this temple, it shall be rent in twain, it shall be done. And if he shall say unto this mountain, be thou cast down and become smooth, it shall be done. And behold, if thou shalt say, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall come to pass. And now behold, I command you that you go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is the almighty, except you repent, ye shall be smitten unto destruction. Now, reason why I, give this as a type is that the back in 88 uh, section 88 verse 88 and after your testimony the testimony of the first labors in the last kingdom cometh wrath and indignation upon the people for after your testimony the servants come the testimony 
of the servant of earthquakes that shall cause groanings in the midst of her and men shall fall upon the ground and shall not be able to stand. And also cometh the testimony of the servant of the voice of thunderings and the voice of lightnings and the voice of tempests and the voice of waves of the sea, heaving themselves beyond their bounds. It is the, the action of the Davidic servant who has the sealing power to seal up unto life or death those who have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide and entered the new covenant and lived it with integrity and continue, and those who have fallen or who are in a wicked state including those who have been sifted and become as tares and chaff. And so we see the separation here, the prefiguring of the witness of servants before the witness of the servant. Okay. Isaiah... 52, and I'm going to go back to <clears throat> Isaiah explained. Because Isaiah speaks of these prefiguring servants also. So we're going to go one through 10. Um, we're going to start in verses one through two. Awake, arise, close, clothe yourself with power, O Zion. Put on your robes of glory, O Jerusalem, holy city. No more shall the uncircumcised and defile enter you. Shake yourself free. Rise from the dust. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bands of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Captive daughter of Zion is another way of saying all of us who are in this position of being in a restoration branch. We've been taken into spiritual captivity and we need to be delivered from that spiritual captivity by the coming on um, or coming back of the servant and opening the heavens that the light might break forth. Cross-reference DNC 113. Verses 7 through 10. Questions by Elias Higby. What is meant by the command in Isaiah, 52nd chapter, first, uh, first verse, which saith, put on thy strength, O Zion, and what people had Isaiah reference to? He had reference to those whom God should call in the last days, who should hold the power of priesthood to bring again Zion and the redemption of Israel. And to put on her strength is to put on the authority of the priesthood. 
which she, Zion, has a right to by lineage, and also, also to return to that power which she had lost. What are we to understand by Zion loosing herself from the bands of her neck? Second verse. We are to understand that the scattered remnants are exhorted to return to the Lord from whence they have fallen, which if they do, the promise of the Lord is that he will speak to them or give them revelation. See sixth, seventh, and eighth verses. The bands of her neck are the curses of God upon her or the remnants of Israel in their scattered condition among the Gentiles. Remnants of Israel in their scattered condition among the Gentiles pertains to those to whom the light is breaking forth, who either accept or reject it, accepting it by offering a broken heart and contrite spirit or rejecting it by hearkening unto the precepts of men. And so, continuing in verse uh, in Isaiah 52, and just before I go there, the chapter heading here says, Jehovah's servant and Zion's watchman accomplish Zion's restoration beginning with a new exodus. So, um, verse three, thus says Jehovah, you were sold without price and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord, my Lord Jehovah, at first my people went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Then the Assyrians subjected them for nothing. And now what have I here, says Jehovah? My people are taken over without price, and those who govern them act presumptuously, says Jehovah. And my name is constantly abused all the day. Cross-reference DNC 112, starting in 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord, and upon my house it shall begin, shall it begin. And from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed my name, professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of mine house, of my house, saith the Lord. Continuing in Isaiah 52, verse six, therefore shall my people come to know my name. In that day, they shall know that I who speak am at hand. Then shall they say, how comely upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger announcing peace, who brings tidings of good, who heralds salvation, saying to Zion, your God reigns. Hark, your watchmen lift up their voice. As one, they cry out for joy, for they shall see eye to eye when Jehovah returns to Zion. Jehovah has bared his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations that all ends of the earth may see our God's salvation. Break out altogether into song, you ruined places of Jerusalem. Jehovah has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. 
and to give context to six through 10 that we just read. In DNC 84. And bear with me for the context. <laughs> for I will forgive you of your sins with this commandment, that you remain steadfast in your minds in solemnity, in the spirit of prayer, in bearing testimony to all the world of those things which are communicated unto you. By bearing testimony to all the world of those things which are communicated unto you. Again, the message of the doctrine of Christ, our awful situation, and the redemption of Zion. Therefore, go ye into all the world, and unto whatsoever place ye cannot go, ye shall send, that the testimony may go from you into all the world unto every creature. And as I said unto my apostles, even so I say unto you, for you are mine apostles, even God's high priests. Ye are they whom my father has given me. Ye are my friends. Therefore, as I said unto mine apostles, I say unto you again, that every soul who believeth on your words and is baptized by water for the remission of sins shall receive the Holy Ghost, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And again, this is end time context. This is those who have awakened and arisen and passed the tests of offering a broken heart and contrite spirit have not been deceived and taken the Holy Spirit as their guide and received the truth. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my names, in my name, they shall do many wonderful works in my name. Shall they cast out devils in my name? They shall heal the sick. In my name, they shall open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. And the tongue of the dumb shall speak. And if any man shall administer poison unto them, it shall not hurt them. And the poison of a, of a serpent shall not have power to harm them. But a commandment I give unto them that they shall not boast themselves of these things and either speak them before the world. For these things are given unto you for your profit and salvation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, they who believe not on your words and are not baptized in water in my name for the remission of sins, they that, that they may receive the Holy Ghost shall be damned and shall not come into my Father's kingdom where my Father and I am. And this revelation unto you. And a commandment is in force from this very hour upon all the world. And the gospel is unto all who have received it. But verily, I say unto all those to whom the kingdom has been given from you, it must be preached unto them that they shall repent of their former evil works, for they are to be upbraided for their evil hearts of unbelief and your brethren in Zion for their rebellion against you at the time I sent you. And again, I say unto you, my friends, for from henceforth I shall call you friends. It is expedient that I give unto you this commandment, that you become even as my friends in days when I was with them, traveling to preach in preach the gospel in my power. For I suffered them not to have purse or script, neither two coats. Again, 
underline that ye become even as my friends, meaning ye are not yet as they. Behold, I send you out to prove the world and the labor is worthy of his hire. And any man, and let me just pause myself, the time being not yet relating to becoming is that we need to arise to the level of high priests of we need to arise to that level that the Lord requires of of us and I will say we all must be doing this and the servants must be at a certain level to be able to go out and, and do this. And there is a time for this. Behold, I send you out to prove the world and the labor is worthy, worthy of his hire. And any man that shall go and preach this gospel of the kingdom and fail not to continue faithful in all things shall not be weary in mind, neither darkened, neither in body, limb, or joint, and a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed. And they shall not go hungry, neither athirst. Therefore, take ye no thought for the morrow what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or wherewithal ye shall be clothed. And this is when the laborers, this is a specific, a specific going out of the laborers. During that time, of bondage before Joseph, the Davidic servant comes back on the scene for he doesn't come right back on the scene. As soon as we go on, go into bondage, there is further proving and testing to be gone through during that bondage period. And as much as one of those laborers is faithful in those testing periods in hearkening unto the voice of the Lord um, in finding the truth and not being deceived, then they qualify for this. 82 for consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin and the kingdoms of the world and all their glory are not arrayed. Uh, not arrayed like one of these for your father who is in heaven knoweth that you have need of all these things. Therefore, let the morrow take thought for the things of itself. Neither take ye thought beforehand what you shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life. And it shall be given you in the very hour, that portion that is meted out unto every man. Therefore, let no man among you, for this commandment is unto all the faithful who are called of God in the church unto the ministry. From this hour, take purse of script that goeth forth to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom. Behold, I send you out to reprove the world of all their unrighteous deeds and to teach them of a judgment which is to come. And whoso receiveth you, there I will be also. For I will go before your face. I will be on your right hand and on your left. My spirit shall be in your hearts and mine angels round about you to bear you up. Whoso receiveth you receiveth me, the same will feed you. 
and clothe you and give you money. And he who feeds you or clothes you or gives you money shall in no wise lose his reward. And he that doeth not these things is not my disciple, but he, but by this you may know my disciples. He that receiveth you not, go away from him alone by yourselves and cleanse your feet even with water, pure water, whether in heat or in cold, and bear testimony of it unto your Father which is in heaven, and return not again unto that man. And in that, and in whatsoever village or city ye enter, do ye likewise. Nevertheless, search diligently and spare not, and woe unto that house or that village or city that re that rejecteth you, or your words, or your testimony concerning me. Woe, I say again, unto that house or that village or city that rejecteth you, or your words, or your testimony of me. For I, the Almighty, have laid my hands upon the nations to scourge them for their wickedness. And plagues shall go forth, and they shall not be taken from the earth until I have completed my work, which shall be cut short in righteousness, until all shall know me who remain, even from the least unto the greatest, and shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, and shall see eye to eye, and shall lift up their voice, and with the voice together sing this new song, saying, The Lord hath brought again Zion, the Lord hath redeemed his people Israel, according to the election of grace, which was brought to pass by faith, by the faith and covenant of their fathers. The Lord hath redeemed his people, and Satan is bound, and time is no longer. The Lord hath gathered all things in one. The Lord hath brought down Zion from above. The Lord hath brought up Zion from beneath. The Lord hath travailed and brought forth her strength. The truth is established in her bowels, and the heavens have smiled upon her, and she is, she is clothed with the glory of her God, for he stands in the midst of his people. Again, in 52, Isaiah 52, Hark, your watchmen lift up their voice as one they cry out for joy, for they shall see eye to eye when Jehovah returns to Zion. And in verse 9, break out all together into song, you ruined places of Jerusalem. Jehovah has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. So all of these things are part of the experiences of the servants who come before the servant and the servant comes on the scene and works with them. They work in tandem for the salvation of men, for the gathering to Zion, um, the going to and building up of new Jerusalem. Isaiah 61, one through 11. For context, the chapter heading, for having endured shame, those whom Jehovah's servant endows receive a twofold millennial inheritance. So one through three, the spirit of my Lord Jehovah is upon me for Jehovah has anointed me to announce good tidings to the lowly. He has sent me, this is the Davidic servant speaking to bind up the brokenhearted, 
and context being those brokenhearted who are lowly because of the travails of the work of the first labor in the last kingdom. Um, in preparation for the return of the Davidic servant. He has anointed me, uh, starting again in verse one, the spirit of my Lord Jehovah is upon me for Jehovah has, has anointed me to announce good tidings to the lowly. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the eyes to the bound to herald the year of Jehovah's favor in the year and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to endow those who mourn in Zion. And here's the key, bestowing upon them a priestly headpiece in place of ashes, the festal anointing in place of mourning, a resplendent robe in place of a downcast spirit. They shall be called oaks of righteousness planted by Jehovah for his glory. Again, righteousness is a pseudonym of Jehovah's end time servant who exemplifies righteousness, who empowers Jehovah's holy ones to restore his people and to prepare for Jehovah's coming to reign on the earth. Um, just another cross-reference. We've read it. But just again to make the make the comparison. Speaking of this dichotomy of um, mourning and joy, um, binding up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives. DNC one hundred three verses eleven through fourteen. But verily I say unto you, I have decreed that your brethren, which have been scattered, scattered, shall return to the lands of their inheritances and shall build up the waste places of Zion. For after much tribulation, as I have said unto you in a former commandment, cometh the blessing. Behold, this is the blessing which I have promised after your tribulations and the tribulations of your brethren, your redemption and the redemption of your brethren, even their restoration to the land of Zion to be established, no more to be thrown down. So that was through 13. <clears throat> Continuing in verses four through nine in Isaiah 61, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, raise up the old waste places. They will renew the desolate cities demolished generations ago. Aliens will tend and pasture your flocks. Foreigners will be your farm hands and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of Jehovah and referred to as the ministers of our God. You shall feed on the wealth of the nations and be gratified with their choice, choicest provision because their shame or Hebrew in the footnote, your shame speaking to those laborers. Again, verse seven because your shame was twofold and shouted insults were your lot. 
or were their lot. Therefore, in their land shall, the, shall their inheritance be twofold, and everlasting joy be theirs. Again, um, the initial there is translated in Hebrew in the, in the footnote is your. For I, Jehovah, love just dealings, but I, ad, I abhor extortion in those who sacrifice. And I will appoint them a sure, sure reward. I will make with them an eternal covenant. Them being these end time labors, these servants who work in addition to the servant. Their offspring shall be renowned among the nations, their posterity in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are of the lineage Jehovah has blessed. And a quick reference to DNC 101, 97 through 101. Let not that which I have appointed be polluted by mine enemies, by the consent of those who call themselves after my name. For this is a very sore and grievous sin against me and against my people in consequence of those things which I have decreed, which are soon to befall the nations. Therefore, it is my will that my people should claim and hold claim upon that which I have appointed unto them, though they should not be permitted to dwell thereon. Nevertheless, I do not say they shall not dwell thereon. Inasmuch as they bring forth fruit and works, meet for my kingdom, they shall dwell thereon. They shall build and another shall not inherit it. They shall plant vineyards and they shall eat the fruit thereof. Even so, amen. Isaiah 62. One through seven. The chapter heading again. Zion, Jerusalem's watchmen, cry to Jehovah day and night as they prepare the way for Jehovah's coming. Again, not only a singular servant. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain still till her righteousness shines like a light her salvation like a flaming torch. The nations shall behold your righteousness and all their rulers your glory. You shall be called by a new name conferred by the mouth of Jehovah. So for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain still till her righteousness shines like a light, till the Davidic servant comes on the scene. The watchmen will not keep silent. They are sent. They have a mission. <clears throat> and they have authority to administer that mission. Then, verse 3, then shall you be a crown of glory in the hand of Jehovah, or the hand, a pseudonym of Jehovah's end time servant. Again, his his hand of deliverance, whose ministry of restoring Jehovah's people bears fruit as Jehovah establishes them, his millennial reign of peace. Then shall you be a crown of glory in the hand of Jehovah, a royal diadem in the palm of your God. Cross-reference DNC 60. 
verses one through four. Behold, thus saith the Lord unto the elders of his church who are to return speedily to the land from whence they came. Behold, it pleaseth me that you have come up hither, but with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given unto them. Because of the fear of man, woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them. And it shall come to pass, if they are not more faithful unto me, it shall be taken away even that which they have. For I, the Lord, rule in the heavens above and among the armies of the earth, and in the day when I shall make up my jewels. Then shall you be a crown of glory in the hand of Jehovah, a royal diadem in the palm of your God. All men shall know what it is that speaketh the power of God. Continuing in verses four through seven in Isaiah 62. You shall no more be called the forsaken one, nor your land referred to as desolate. You shall be known as her in whom I delight, and your land considered espoused. For Jehovah shall delight in you, and your land shall be espoused. As a young man weds a virgin, so your sons wed you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And we see this in the covenant union becoming becoming the family of the Lord at different levels. O Jerusalem, or I have appointed watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who shall not be silent day or night. Hearkening back to verse one, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, nor will I remain still. You who call upon Jehovah, let not up, nor give him respite till he reestablishes Jerusalem and makes it renowned in the earth. And so these watchmen are acting as intercessors for the people to plead with God that he will do his work, his, his great and marvelous work to gather in all who will throughout all the earth to Zion and New Jerusalem, to bring them the gospel, to endow them through the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost, to bring them into the rest of the Lord. <clears throat> and as a cross-reference to this, 1 Nephi 13, 37, And blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day, for they shall have the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost. And if they endure to the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day and shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace Yea, tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. And hearkening back to <clears throat> Isaiah 52, verse 7, Then shall they say, How comely upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger announcing peace, or the gospel, that which brings peace, the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. 
you know, Christ said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you. Who brings tidings of good, who heralds salvation, saying, Zion, your God reigns. So, two points to close. You know, people asked, or people have intimated and accused that there are no scriptures backing up, that there are servants precursing the servant. They may say, no, we haven't said that. We said that there's no Elias before the Elias. Well, consider this. Because there are servants. And I give you something else to consider. The Davidic servant in Isaiah is a temporal Messiah. The one for whom the Jews were looking at the time of Jesus Christ. Joseph does not take the place of Jesus Christ as the Davidic servant, but is, or I should say Joseph as the Davidic servant does not take the place of Jesus Christ, but he is a type of Jesus Christ as are all of Christ's servants. Joseph is the only one at his level. He is the dispensation head as such, taking the account of what happened at Adam on Diamon, which we won't go into detail here. As I understand it, um, this will be the presentation next Monday of the experiences that Phil Davis has had. And I will give a brief synopsis here. Taking the account of what happened at Adam on Diamond, of all keys going back to Father, who who then gave them all to Christ, who then dispensed them to John the Revelator and Joseph Smith, then we see that each of these took a step upward. Father gave to Jesus Christ all of the keys that ever did or would pertain to this earth to Jesus Christ. And he, he took a step upward. And as he took a step upward, ordaining and giving keys to John and Joseph Smith for their end-time roles, as end time servants, they both took a step up. As such, if Joseph would be a temporal Messiah under Christ, then it would follow the precedent that that Messiah, the temporal Messiah, would have an Elias under him who would prepare the way. If there are a group of servants who work prior to his return, it makes sense that there would be a first to awake and arise among them, regardless of who that first might be. Um, So to consider, um, a mystery to this is given in the original revelation of Doctrine and Covenants 105, verse 27. And I will read that as it is in our current scriptures, that we might see the difference. And I will soften the hearts of the people as I did the heart of Pharaoh from time to time until my servant Joseph Smith Jr. and mine elders, 
whom I have appointed shall have time to gather up the strength of mine house. In the original 1844 edition, uh, section, this section was actually section 111 in that version, verse 8. It read, until my servant Barak Ale and Benimi, in brackets, mine elders, whom I have appointed, shall have time to gather up the strength of mine house. And let me just share screen here. Okay. Okay. It read, until my servant Barak, Ale, and Benimi, mine elders, whom I have appointed, shall have time to gather up the strength of mine house. It is important to note that while you see right here on the right-hand side, it has in brackets, mine elders, That is not in the original text. You can see it right here to the left. Until my servant Barak, Ale, and Benimi, whom I have appointed, shall have time to gather up the strength of mine house. This was changed later by Orson Pratt in the later edition of the Doctrine and Covenants um, to mean mine elders, and then it was transferred just to taking out Benimi um, and it just reading in our current version, mine elders. It's important to note that Benimi was a code name for a specific fellow servant of Joseph Smith, notably one who was loyal to Joseph throughout the end of Joseph's life and did not follow after Brigham Young. As this section has an end time context directly tied directly to the current DNC 101 and 103, it indicates that this servant returns with Joseph and participates in the gathering of the strength of the Lord's house. Coupled with the factors above, it can be inferred that while Joseph participates behind the scenes with the spiritual gathering before he comes on the scene for the physical gathering, yet this servant and other servants facilitate the spiritual gathering before Joseph's return and continue with Joseph for the physical gathering when he returns. In closing, um, except for this last clarification of, of this scripture in 105, every single scripture that I have read tonight has been previously read on uh, prior, uh, prior broadcasts, um, Zoom, uh, not Zoom meetings, um, cottage meetings in person for, I mean, <laughs> at least the last two and a half years that I've been uh, available. And I would say um, as, as long as the people who are making these accusatory claims, as long as they've been around, 
And so if all of these scriptures have been available, not only available, but the teaching, sharing, expounding of them has been available. Why are now people claiming there's no scriptural precedent for this? I mean, I can, as I was thinking of this, uh, even to myself, the, you know, a certain veil was lifted um, this prior Thursday at the cottage meeting. And we were reading a lot of these scriptures. And as I had pondered previously about this subject and received uh, a number of different pointers, which we've gone over tonight, yet the spirit witnessed to me that each one of these uh, regularly quoted and taught scriptures bear witness that there is a servant and or servants that are precursor to Joseph coming on the scene. And so what comes to mind is Alma 12 verses nine through 11. And now Alma began to expound these things unto him saying, it is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart only according to the portion of his word, which he doth grant unto the children of men, according to the heed and diligence, which they give unto him. And therefore he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart to him is given the greater portion of the word until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God until he know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts to them is given the lesser portion of the word until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And then they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction now, this is what is meant by the, claim, the chains of hell. I would close with a solemn, uh, a solemn invitation and warning to those who have turned their backs, to those who have begun to persecute at whatever level and to whatever degree, whether it be lying, backbiting, or open and flagrant dishonesty, we have been going through sifting. We have been going through trial. We have been going through experiences for us to test us whether we will hearken to the voice of the Lord or whether we will harden our hearts, hearken to the precepts of men, and we will count ourselves wise. And this is solemn because we are not gaining any extra time as days go by. In the coming bondage is near. Destruction follows that. 
And as we have been those whom the Lord has awakened, as we say, the LDS are the first to be destroyed, those who will reject the doctrine of Christ, we will first be destroyed because we have received greater light and knowledge. And if we harden our hearts and we do not repent, we will be first to go. And we will not see Joseph and we will not find him. We will not know him. And this because we are tested first with first messengers, first servants to see if we can qualify at a lower level with somebody in our midst before the one whom the Lord has hidden comes back on the scene. We have to qualify at a higher level in order to receive Joseph. And so I would invite those of you who are engaging in spiritual warfare to repent, to come back and to let go of your pride. And the Lord is willing to forgive. And we are willing to forgive. I am willing to forgive. And I ask you as your brother and your friend to stop, to turn around, to humble yourselves before the Lord, to consider yourselves fools and to return before it's too late. And we are left to say, even as Moroni and Mormon, O ye fair ones, And I bear witness that Joseph is on the scene, or rather that he is back. He is not yet on the scene, but he is back on the earth. He has opened the heavens. But I do witness as I have received a witness of it, that Phil Davis has, has received the experiences that he has claimed to receive. He has the authority that he has claimed to receive. And he has done the miracles and administered the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost as he has claimed. Regardless of what we might have personally uh, in terms of uh, disagreement. Let us not put those in front of us and take them as our lenses and be deceived thereby. For as we accept the offerings of the adversary, we are given different and clouded lenses, and we see darkly, 
and we misjudge. And even as I seek to repent, I invite all of you to repent and to take the Holy Spirit as your guide and re reject not true messengers who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.